In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace and peace be from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I recently read that a town in California that is known for its wealth is required to zone for lower-income individuals and families because of state mandates. While people in the town are generally supportive of the measure, no one seems to want such space zoned near or next to their own property. There's outward support to help those with less to obtain housing, but when such might involve a real personal sacrifice or some sort of suffering for it, like loss of property, your own property value, then it needs to be someone else's sacrifice. This kind of thing was a problem in Israel, too. People would fast, but only toward their own eventual gain. Rather than trying to deal with their own selfishness or how they were oppressing the poor, those in power and with wealth were fighting with each other, trying to seek their own benefit. Their fasting was only a show, an attempt to manipulate God to get what they wanted. As if God was a vending machine. Put in your good-looking work and get the result you want. However, God cannot be bought. Shows of piety are worthless if they are shows. When people think they can please God by simply coming to church or partaking of the Lord's Supper without faith in Christ, then their piety is just a show. You cannot gain a right standing before God by a ritual without faith. Sadly, many meaningful rituals have eroded into empty acts as people forget their significance. Recently, a senator was sworn in over several papers, including a copy of the first Superman comic. This and other items had great personal significance to him. Now, we might take offense at such because it breaks a long tradition of using the Bible, and yet, for how many is the Bible simply a prop in a swearing-in ceremony? To how many, including those watching, has it become an empty ritual? How many even know what God's Word says? And this gets to the heart of the problem that God is addressing in Isaiah chapter 58. People are trying to use God to achieve their own personal goals. These things are not acts of faith, but a form of idolatry. Trying to manipulate God or others to serve our own needs and wants. Rather than God being center, it becomes about what we can accomplish or do with our own works. This is not making Christ's light shine. This is not to God's glory. This is about lifting up oneself. This is about serving yourself. To such, God clearly says in Isaiah, Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Isaiah 58, 4b. Instead, God calls the Israelites and us to a different path. He calls us to a living faith, that is a faith that produces fruit, that loves and serves God out of gratitude for what He has done for us. 
it doesn't act on it doesn't act to get rewarded or to earn some future blessing love is neither compelled nor is it manipulative rather love is freely given and it freely gives God calls out the Israelites on their facade of love. They do not love God. Just look at how they fast. Sure, as verse 5 indicates, they engage in some humbling actions such as denying themselves food or bowing their heads in prayer or prostrating themselves on the floor while wearing sackcloth and ashes. But to what end? They do not change their ways. They do not repent or reconsider their own actions. Their fellow Israelites are being oppressed and taken advantage of by them. Look at verses 6 to 7. Their fellow Israelites are caught in wickedness and unable to free themselves. Many are homeless and hungry and naked. And they are ignoring them or taking advantage of them, even using them. They are treating one another like the Egyptians treated them. They're even ignoring the needs of their own flesh and blood, their own families. They have set up a system where the powerful take advantage of the poor and they're unwilling to re-examine what they are doing and to extend true care to those with less than them. They fast and say, Look at me, God, I am pious. But they do not address the needs of their neighbor when they fast. How can they fear, love, and trust in God above all things if they are not extending true love to their neighbor? The Apostle John likewise points out in 1 John 4, 20-21, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, Whoever loves God must also love his brother. God calls for them to embrace justice along with their fast. Take the food you are not eating because of your fast and give it to your hungry neighbor. Begin fasting from evil and wickedness, from a way of life that is oppressing your fellow man, and then add to it works of love. Works that actually benefit your neighbor rather than bringing more harm and destruction. Start with your own family and look after them and then reach out to those around you. This is the nature of a life lived in faith. A life lived both trusting God to provide and a life lived in thanks to God for His grace and mercy. We can give of what we have because we know and trust that God will provide for us. We can sacrifice of what we have because we're certain the Lord will still take care of us. We also show our appreciation and recognize what God has given us by showing to others the same kind of grace and mercy He has shown to us. As God has had mercy on us, so we show much mercy to others in need. When the Israelites do this, God says, their light will break forth like the dawn. Isaiah 58, verse 8. Christ's righteousness, which God has given to you, will shine. Being lights in this world and being salt in this world calls for us not only to preach and teach, 
that all people are valuable and that the Lord wants to free all of them from sin and its oppression, but it calls for us to address such problems with true acts of love. This care and love for the neighbor is what resulted in Christians adopting the children abandoned on the hilltops by pagans. It was the impetus behind hospitals, places where the sick and dying were cared for despite the risk to one's own life and health. Today, we are no less challenged to love our neighbor than the Israelites or the early church. We too struggle to treat people with like people, rather than commodities. Our culture is one that objectifies others for our own benefit and pleasure to meet our desires, needs, and wants. Pornography teaches men that women are simply objects of desire. Laws about adopting children and divorce are being and have been changed to focus on meeting the desires of adults rather than being focused on what children need. There's a facade of care and love for women with the promotion of feticide and infanticide laws. Such laws promote violence and death. They dehumanize not just the babies, but the mothers. When vending machines are being installed to dispense feticide medications and hospice organizations are being expo exposed as exploitive, when people essentially buy children through sperm banks and surrogacy arrangements and food banks, allow us to ignore our neighbor's problems because they are already being met, or worse, get in the way of actually addressing those problems. When a one-size-fits-all solution is mass-produced for all problems and societal ills and education is centered around worker development rather than human development, when despairing people are pushed to some sort of suicide and confused people are pushed to radical life-altering treatments, then we are either treating people like commodity and means for our own personal financial gain or we are moving in that direction. Whenever we are not treating others in the way we'd want to be treated in a similar situation. Whenever we are not personable, trying to get to know the individual and caring for them, whenever we are seeking the easy solution instead of doing the hard, long-term work required to love someone and work with them in their time of need, whenever we neglect those closest to us to meet the needs of those further away, then we are contributing to the problem. Woe is us. We're supposed to be lights to the world, examples of love, but your love and mine has faltered so many times. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to downplay the good you have done, the works of love you have shown. I'm simply pointing out that even with such love given out, we have fallen into the pattern of this world of sin in many aspects of our lives. We need to resist the pattern of this world, and yet we keep failing at doing so. Christ Jesus came to change this. He came to free us from our own bondage to sin, to free us from being trapped in the patterns of sin in this world, to deliver us from having to live in the way the world does. Jesus came to value you and me personally, 
That's one reason he is in the flesh, walking among people and ministering to them. It's one reason he sends out his disciples into the world to speak his word, rather than telling them to craft and script a carefully constructed and well done ad campaign. Jesus comes among us in the most personal way. Our own skin and flesh to talk with us, to touch us, and to heal us. Jesus is the light of God, shining God's personal care and concern for his creation, for you and me. God is acting because we failed to do so. Our righteousness is lacking. We're not able to set the world aright, to make the world good again. We can't even make ourselves good again. But Jesus, the truly good one, has come to set the world aright, to love where we failed, to care where we fell short, to live in faith where we faltered. Jesus lives as the true light. He shines brightly even to this day. We see it in his actions to heal and care for all those who are hurting. We see it in his raising the dead. We see it in his teaching and his regard for the lowly and despised. We see it in his attention given to little children. And we see it in his commitment to go to the cross and die for you and me. There, Jesus' love shines brightly. There, Jesus' love and concern for you and me, for the whole world, is clear. He's willing to die for the sake of all people, to sacrifice of himself, to give up life and dignity, to lay down his power and deny himself personal justice against you. He willingly suffers all this to personally redeem you. You are his. Not as a personal piece of property, but as his beloved child. He has washed you clean from the darkness, reclaimed you, his creation, and delivered you from this world. You're no longer bound by its ways or to its ways. You're no longer trapped in sin or by its deceits. You're free from the darkness. More than that, you are now a light. One bearing his life and light to the world. You are one shining in the darkness of this world. And this world is still exerting its force upon us, though. It's still trying to blow out the light or hide it or make it dimmer, confine it to a smaller place. It's trying to get you to forget what you are doing here, to come before the Lord in an outward show of piety without faith, to get you to cling to your work as what saves. It's trying to get us to conform to its ways, and fight battles on its turf, according to its rules and ways. But now, Christ the light stands with you and in you. He has overcome this world and its ways. 
He shines brightly before you as your com compass, your north star. He shows your sin and shows you his salvation. He shines brightly for you so that you would see and know. You are forgiven. Your sins are gone and washed away by his bloodshed. He has valued you. Your God has delivered you. You now live with him. You dwell apart from this world and its evil. You have been separated out of this world and its destruction. You are in the light. You are welcome at his table where he still touches you today. Rejoice in his light and salvation. And keep walking in that light, exposing your sin and turning to his ways and away from yours. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>